Hi, I'm Dave Scott. I'm pastor of Crossway Community Church, and I want to welcome you. Crossway is a church simply committed to making disciples. We meet at 1501 Woodbury Road. It's off of Colonial and Fort Wayne in East Orlando. Come check us out. I look forward to meeting you. Amen. And uh, thank you to everybody who was here and was able to help out. Uh, a number of y'all were able to be here yesterday. And uh, man, I just uh, thank you for all the hard work. Um, Woodbury was here in mass as well. And we had a, a, a tag team <laughs> work party, emphasis on work and emphasis on party. We had a lot of good fellowship and we sweated a lot, got a lot done. Uh, and so, um, thank y'all all for that. Um, we're in our series on John, and we're coming into chapter 14 here. Uh, this is the Upper Room Discourse. Um, and we've, we've gone through and seen a lot of the public miracles of Jesus leading up to this, this, uh, this key time at the end of his life, the last 24 hours. And uh, so, we're in John chapter 14 here to... to uh, get into it. Um, uh, this is a very familiar picture to Donna and a very sentimental one. This is uh, my parents' uh, cabin in the Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. And this is what we would see when we would, after seminary, we would drive home for Christmas. And you come up this hill, up this dirt road, and we'd all honk the horn. As, this is a tradition in our family. As we go up and you pass the cabin, then you circle back around and uh, come in uh, on the other side. And uh, this is what, you know, for me, it felt like going home. Y'all have that feeling, right? Whatever your memory is um, and uh, what home is for you, maybe it's the home you're in now. Um, but uh, Jesus is going to speak here in John 14 about what is really our home. What's really our home? Uh, and I've titled this Heading Home because uh, I think we're all headed home and we need to keep that in our minds and remember. So uh, open with John 14, uh, verse 1, it says John 4 here, but that's a typo. Uh, just proves the world's broken and fallen. John 14, 1 to 6. Um, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Now, why does Jesus say, let not your heart be troubled? Well, if you go back to the previous chapter in chapter 13, he, was, he began alluding to that something was going to happen, that he was going to go away. And his disciples don't understand this. They're confused, and they begin to get per, you know, perturbed about this. Uh, and so um, that's why Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. But, it's, it, but it's, it's interesting that Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled, because who's the one here whose heart is troubled? Jesus. He says he's troubled unto death. In just a few hours, he's going to be in the Garden of Gethsemane where he's going to be sweating blood. He knows what's coming. Jesus is troubled because he's carrying our troubles. And he says to you and to me, let not your heart be troubled. Now, I know we, if you, you either came in with troubles or you're probably going to have trouble this week if you don't feel it now. <laughs> it's just life, right? I don't know what trouble you're facing. Uh, it might be health. It might be a family issue. It might be a financial issue. Um, 
We all have troubles, but Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. And then he's going to give the, the ground for that, the reason why we shouldn't let our hearts be troubled. And what does he say? Believe in God. That's the theme of the whole book of Gospel of John. Believe. Believe and live. I've written these things uh, so that you may know that Jesus is the Son of God and believe in him. And then believing in him have eternal life. But in Jesus saying this, he's actually telling you his secret on why his heart isn't troubled. Facing what he's facing. Why isn't Jesus' heart troubled? Because he believes in the Father. He knows he can trust his Father. He says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in the Father. Believe also in me. And disciples, of course, they, they knew they could trust Jesus. And he says, but you know, if you see me, you've seen the Father. You can trust the Father. I trust the Father. That's how come I can face this unknown, this uncertainty that we're headed into. I trust God. So I know that even, and Jesus knew everything that was coming, the disciples were going to encounter, not only in the next few days, but in the years and decades ahead, all the way till their martyrdom. He said, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And that's what Jesus wants to say to you and to me this morning. So that in him we might have peace. A peace that's not the absence of conflict, but a peace that is sure, that knows its identity and knows its ultimate destination. Believe in God. Believe in the Father. I'll share a very special picture with y'all. This is my dad, my father. And he's up in heaven smiling. My dad was the biggest people person I've ever known. He had a huge heart. He had a heart of gold. He loved people. And I learned so much from him. And Jesus is saying, I have an incredible relationship with my father. I know him. I want you to know him. I want you to be able to trust him to the extent that I can trust him, that I know I can trust him. Because we have a father who's good and we can believe in him. Because we can believe in him, we can also believe in Jesus. He will not let us down with what we're heading towards. The next verse goes on and says, in my Father's house are many rooms. Now, this is the other side of the cabin. This is where you actually pull in to park the car. And my mom and dad's philosophy was it didn't matter how many people were coming. If I said I had a friend from college, she said, bring him on. Whoever it was, bring him. Come on, yeah. One time, she had 26 people in the house at one time one night over one holiday. She'd hang them from... from the, uh, from nails, <laughs> she, she, we, you know, she had bunk beds, extra bunk beds. She had pull-out couches. She had, we'll get out a sleeping bag. It doesn't matter. Come on. Yeah, we have room. There's always room. There's always room. And this is what Jesus is saying. In my Father's house are many rooms. The King James says mansions. It's not, heaven is not really a picture of mansions. It's a picture of places where it's safe to dwell, where we will feel at home, where we will feel belonging, where we will feel eternal connection, life in God's presence. 
this morning we're kind of focused on heaven and because you know a lot of times in the American church we don't really focus ourselves on heaven we're so focused on this life and we don't understand why this life is hard <laughs> but this is not Canaan we do not live in Canaan land guys we are still in the wilderness even the land of Israel wasn't the ultimate Canaan right the ultimate Canaan is in the presence of God and uh even as my parents had a philosophy of almost unlimited hospitality, Jesus is saying, no matter what you're going through now, know that my Father is getting ready for you, a place where you'll be forever. Yes, you have tribulations that are temporary, even though they're incredibly painful, but you will receive a reward of glory that outweighs them all. When you come to what you're headed for, and so we have to keep our eyes headed in the right direction. You know, the reason why this place is so special in my family, especially with my nieces and my nephews, is when we'd all get together, uh, there was just incredible fellowship there. We'd laugh, we'd tell stories. Uh, you know, everybody felt connection. She said, if it were not so, wouldn't I not have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? I talk to my mom almost every day. She's 95. She said, she'll tell me, she said, David, the two things I miss are my car and my kitchen. Why? Because she loved preparing for people to come. She loved cooking. She has incredible hospitality. She prepares a place for whoever's here. There's always more. Yeah, yeah. We, we, uh, I grew up going around uh, eating dinner on, on a little oak table. It is creaky. You could put leaves in it. And we, we sat on split cane ladderback chairs and stools. Think about it. If you, if you, there's always room for another stool pulled up to a table. You can get a lot of people around a table. And that was my mom's philosophy. Jesus says that he's going to go prepare a place for us. He's trying to assure his disciples that even though I'm leaving, I'm not really abandoning you. I'm actually going to prepare a place where we will stay together forever. You know, and even though, and so his disciples are definitely going to feel that sense of separation, and it's going to take them time to process and understand that. And of course, Jesus is going to be raised from the dead. He's got the resurrection, and then he'll come back and help them kind of reinterpret it. Um, but even today, you know, we live with that same sense of that something's missing. And it's, I mean, Jesus is not here physically. I mean, he's here with us, but, but we can't see him and touch him like the disciples could. And, and so, yes, we are looking forward to his second advent, to his second coming. And so, you know, we are here kind of in, in the wilderness, in the desert, just sort of like the disciples were facing in this time when Jesus is trying to reassure him. And he says he wants to reassure us as well. No matter what you're going through now, no matter how difficult the challenges and stresses have been for you this year or the last five years, he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Or I wouldn't have told you that. And so that's what we're doing here as well, you know. We modeled him. We talked about hospitality, the hospitable heart of God. And so we reflect that as well. And you know, just like Jesus wants people to know that through him that they can have a place of belonging, a place of adoption, 
If we, uh, whoever receives him, he gives the right to become children of God, even those who believe on his name. He's now given us that message of reconciliation, that message of creating a space, holding a space, a safe space, a hospitable place, a loving place, a place of grace for other people. That's why it's better together. We're creating that space, right? So that we can begin to reflect, that people could get an inkling that such a connection of safety and grace exists in this life. And so that's why we're doing church here the way that we are. So it's just a reminder that, you know, it's not about us. Because this is not heaven, right? <laughs> it's not about us. Who is? It's about those who don't have that sense of connection. They don't have that relationship with Christ. They don't know their eternal father. And so we kind of have to examine ourselves here you know, our own priorities and, and how we even approach this. Because just like the people in Israel, we can hold on to, you know, hold on to these things and think that, that this is, this here, us, this circle, you know, that this is it. Well, this isn't it. You know, if y'all saw this, <laughs> what would y'all, what would y'all think? <laughs> would somebody want to park there? No, no, they wouldn't want to park there. This is not reserved for David, right? We have to have a shift in mentality, though, when we think about why we're doing what we're doing here, our mission. We have to put on these missional lenses to look at the same way Jesus came incarnationally, one, to live out the Father's heart, but then to proclaim that message to the people around him. He had to put on their eyes, and we have to put on their eyes, the eyes of those who've never visited that kind of love, never visited that kind of belonging, that kind of grace. So we do church differently here, and y'all may have noticed I'm, I'm dressing a little more casual, and maybe you're used to me wearing my khakis and a button-down shirt. I'm not saying I'll never do that, but I, I, it's intentional because, you know, I'm not here to make you comfortable with church. I'm here so that when people come in, there's not a barrier that they can feel like that they can relate to this message that I'm trying to communicate in the few minutes that I have each Sunday. And so I want to be able to be relatable for them. I don't want to be on here with, with a clerical collar and, uh, and, uh, or a robe. I've got a robe if you want me to wear that, but I don't think that really would do it. Uh, you know, because this is what I look like. This was my family going to church. I don't think that that would be missionally effective today. Now, I still got one of those hats. Uh, <laughs> if I wore a fedora to church, y'all really would think I'd lost a screw. <laughs> but, uh, you know, yesterday morning, before I got Chick-fil-A biscuits, uh, and I got up and got here early to have those. Um, and this is what it says on the outside of my Chick-fil-A. Welcome, friends and neighbors. This is a brand new one. This one, the new, new, new one's built. This is their branding. This is their message. <laughs> They're not even advertising chicken. They're advertising a welcome, right? And this is the posture we have to think of as Crossway here. If we're better together, if we're going to have a more impact, and we want to do that, 
This is the kind of thinking that we have to posture ourselves. Posture ourselves in connection with God, exalting him, but posturing ourselves with glasses that it's not about us. And so, you know, we're in the process of improving this facility. This week I spent time, Tammy helped me. Um, uh, my, a, a, my niece is an interior decorator. She's a professional stager. Her degrees in design, she helped me with, with you know, suggesting some colors here. We're trying to think of, you know, uh, how as we paint this, you know, what color paint should be, how should we decorate it. But the message we have is we want to know that people come in here, they're welcome. We're glad you're here. This is not about the way I like to decorate or you like to decorate. That's not the question. The question is, is how do we create a space here that's the most welcoming for those who know nothing about this kind of fellowship. They, they haven't been to church. I'm, I've gone to I was church before I was even born. You and I know all the right answers. We know the right words. We know the catch words. They don't. So we need to figure out how do we make it welcome. Because if, if we design this space like David would like it, here's the way it would look. Because <laughs> that's my desk. That's my, that's my office. There's a boat hanging from the ceiling. Don't think you guys would fit in here, but I don't think that y'all would like that. Donna says, David, I do not want that deer head in my bedroom, <laughs> and you cannot have it in the living room. <laughs> well, you don't care about the story behind that, that deer, so it wouldn't be any good in here. I, I'm a very nostalgic. You know, there, there's a picture of my great-grandfather and his champion well, Kentucky walking horse. There's the deed to my grandfather's land. Uh, I love history. But, you know, when I die, even my degrees, they're going to get put in a box somewhere if they don't get thrown away. It's not about the way that I like, and that's really cluttered. Yes, it is. But So here, it's not about the way I like it, the way you like it. It's how can we be most effective. The time that we've got, we're still here, this season. And I'm convinced this season can be our most effective season. Don and I were talking about this. I believe the second half of life is when you really make your impact. Don't write yourself off. Don't write yourself off. Just because you're retired, just because you feel like you're getting older, you have the most impact now, and we can too. But we can choose nostalgia, or we can choose revival and outreach, but we can't choose both. We can't choose both. We can look backwards and hold on to things, but, you know, the reason why people sacrifice to get this church, Woodbury here, Crossway here, to get this to this day was not just so that we could reminisce in, in the memories of the way we've done things, the way we're comfortable. It's so that we can be on mission making disciples around the world. And uh, so we have to have a missional shift because if we want to have this hospitable mentality that Jesus has, this vision of connecting people to his Father so that they can look heavenward, so that they can have a homeward view, we have to have our missional edge really sharp to do that. Because here's the problem. I mean, this, this is our, my dining room table. My mom, so many memories around this table. Uh, it's a cherry drop leaf table. I inherited it. Um, but it's in my garage. It's not a comfortable table to sit at. I'm just going to tell you. It's beautiful. It does not have a screw in it. It's handmade. It's hand oil finished. It's beautiful. It's a Kentucky antique. None of my kids want it. So either it's going to get sold at a garage sale, or on, the most of these 
these tables go on Facebook marketplaces $100 to $150. Now, do I want to do that? Do I want to hold on to this just so that someday it can get thrown away? I thought, you know, what I could do, my, my kids like mid-century modern. I don't like mid-century modern, but they do. That's fine. So I thought, you know, okay, maybe I'll ask them, do they, they want an end table or something? And I'm going to take this and I'm going to cut it up. I'm going to make it into something they can use, that they can carry with them and build memories in. We have to do the same thing with church. We can hold on to this or we can restructure this and repurpose it to be on mission. Um, Jonathan got married. Donna gave me a pen for our wedding. And I knew that Jonathan wanted a pen. He wanted a fountain pen. I'd heard that before. I kind of tucked that way in the back of my mind. So at his wedding, I gave him the pen that Donna gave me. And it's a Mont Blanc pen. They're expensive now. And I told Jonathan, I said, I signed my marriage certificate with this pen, and I'm giving it to you. And he said, Dad, why are you giving it to me? Why don't you hold on to it? Because I want him to build memories with it. I want him to use and bless him with it. And we, have, we can hold on to these things, what we're comfortable with, the way we do church, or we can give it away as a gift for someone else to be blessed. Now, Woodbury is more challenging here for their space. You know, this is where they're used to it. This isn't, you know, we don't have as much emotional connection here. But we do have emotional connection at Crossway to the way we do church. Certain traditions that we have here that we're used to, that we, you know, we've done that. We just know because we're just family. You just walk in. You know, we know we don't have to take our shoes off at the door. You don't knock. We just come on in, right? But there are things that we need to have more sharp that may be barriers to other people. You know, as we get more people here, uh, you know, the way we've done things just isn't going to work. We're going to need to involve other people. We need to give away ministry, allow, pass off certain ministries that other people are going to come in. So I'm just challenging you, don't hold on to the form because it's, it's function over form. It's how does it, what, how do, what do we need to do here in order to be the most effective communicating and reproducing these values of worship and of the scripture and of prayer and of relationship and ministry how can we take what we do here so our, our worship service may change down the road i don't know god could bring other musicians in here they can, it could lead to other different kind of feel of, of worship that's a cultural thing you know uh, there may be and you know i i'm what I'm doing today as a pastor, hopefully two years from now, five years from now, I want, hopefully I'll pass off a lot of that, right, to other people that are more gifted. And so just like the table, we've got to decide, are we going to hold on to this or are we going to repurpose it? And that's what you guys were doing last week. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. And incarnationally, he gives us the same challenge to those who don't know this kind of place. And that's what y'all were doing yesterday, preparing a place for people, creating a space. We're holding a space. And is it about the building? Well, it's not. But this is the way that we can begin to communicate people when they first walk in here, that you're loved, you're welcome, we're glad you're here, we see you, we want to know you, right? And so we had an incredible thank you for all of y'all who came Cross, this Woodbury was there. They started working on the kitchen. It's not done yet. We had a lot more work to do, even cleaning and, and decorating. Um, and uh, so it was great to see everybody pitching two together, um, whoever you know, could come for whatever period of time. And we're not done yet, so don't worry if you weren't here. You got, you got plenty to, to, hit, to, to contribute to. 
Uh, but we're preparing a place, right? Just like Jesus is preparing a place, making this connection, holding space, holding on to God the Father, and then reaching out in relationships to other people so that they can know the same kind of life that's of an eternal quality that John's trying to drive the point home here in the gospel. And so, you know, uh, does church matter? Well, it, you know, it does and it doesn't. I mean, we could do it all different kind of ways is the truth. A difference is just different. But we need to ask, what's the most effective? How can we position ourselves most strategically, most intentionally going forward? Um, because here's what Jesus said. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you. See, what Jesus is experiencing, he's now, he wants it for us. He wants us to experience that same kind of intimacy and connection with God. And he tells his disciples, yes, you're going to feel separated from me. And they don't even know totally what that means, but they're going to find out. But I'm doing this for a reason, so that you can come and I will take you back to myself. That's not just a promise for him, that's also for us, looking because that's also... Uh, the second coming is there as well. He's not just talking about coming back from the dead and his resurrection. He's also coming ultimately, because he's going to leave him again after he, he's going to ascend. He's saying in the end, he's going to come back. He says that where I am, you may be also. My dad loved a fire. He would sit by this wood stove <laughs> all day long. He'd, he'd just look at the fire. And my dad had a couple different sayings. When I came in, he'd say, Dave, it's just good to be with you. It's just good. He said, sit here, sit down and let me just look at you. That's what my dad would say, right? And that's what God is trying to say to us. He just wants to, for us to, to be together. And that's what Jesus is saying. I want to take you so you can experience what I experienced with the Father. That where I am, you may be also this warm hearth, Right? And church is just like this. People gravitate around a fire. And so that's why we're building this fire of worship here, right? This fire of, of the communion of the Spirit, of a community of authentic, vulnerable, relational, broken, where we are allowed to be real and other people can see that. We invite them to stand and come around this fire. That where I am, you may be also. That's Jesus to remember. Jesus is also saying this to us because you and I desperately need this kind of fellowship, this kind of communion with Him. We've got to feed off of it. This world is too busy. It's way more than we can ever do. I'm totally overwhelmed in life. I'm just telling you, I can't handle it all. Maybe you can. Maybe you can juggle it all. I need Jesus because I'm desperately holding on to Him as I feel drugged through the chaos of this world. That where I am, you may be also. And he says, you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas says to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know how to get there? How can we know the way? <laughs> Thomas, of course, incredibly authentic. He's loyal, but he's, he's very real. He, he doesn't mind saying it like it is. He has doubts. He doesn't understand. He's going to go straight to the quick. He doesn't mind being a little blunt. Maybe he's from New York or New Jersey. I don't know. <laughs> but... Lord, <laughs> those people are great too. <laughs> Lord, wow, how do we know? How do we know the way? And what's Jesus' answer about the way? 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Thomas, you know me, so you know the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The emphasis on this verse, this phrase, is on the way. Jesus is the way because he is the truth and the life. If he wasn't the truth or if he didn't have real life, he wouldn't be the way. And there's only one way. It doesn't mean that any way will do. Bring your way with you. Because there's only one who is the truth and the life. He's the only one who can say he's the way. In our culture's pluralism uh, that says, you know, it doesn't really matter what you believe. All, all the roads lead up the same mountain. No, they don't because they all don't have life. They all don't have truth. They're not true. If it's not true, it can't get you there. No one comes to the Father but through me. But Thomas, you know me. You have a relationship with me. Guess what? That means you can have a relationship with the Father. You can come to the Father through me. And so Jesus is holding on to this communion he has in the Trinity. This is what's going to inspire our incarnational, missional ministry. And he's, he's holding this space, right, by emptying himself, coming down into the space of other people to hold on to them, to try to get them to connect them so that they can be there and experience this same relationship with God. And so he then, discipleship is this phenomenon where he's holding on to God and we're holding on to him. And he says, now you reach out to those around you so that they can experience this as well. And that's what we're trying to do this, this spring in the month of March leading up to Easter. We're going to reach out to our neighbors and try to create a space, maybe with some chips and dip, whatever. Uh, and by the way, Hope makes some incredible, <laughs> I forgot what you called that stuff, but it was incredible dip. dip. What, you know, whatever. Food, food is, is what people can gravitate around. But we're going to invite them into our homes for a three-week, just let's just three conversations about is there really such a thing as hope? What is Easter really about? Would you, would you be willing to, would you be interested in that? Have you ever thought about that? Would you mind coming over? Wednesday night at, at 5, That's I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And he says that we can be a, a bridge as well. Guys, we have to live headed home. We have to live headed home. It's not in our nature as Americans to live headed home, to live heavenward. Only when we have this right, when we know where our real home is. It's not in this world. It's not my lazy boy. It's not. It's not our house. It's not. It's not just this church. Only when we live heavenward. First of all, that's what's going to get us through the things that are troubling in this world. But it's also going to help us see and fulfill our mission. That's who he's called Crossway to be, for us to be here, this group of pilgrims that have gathered together. That's why we can do this better. If we have those same lenses that Jesus had. And that's my prayer for all of us. Lord, I thank you. Man, you just invited us into this incredibly intimate place 
that we feel awkward even being there. We feel like we don't belong, like we're, we're stepping into something that, that uh, you know, um, we weren't invited to, but you did invite us there. You invited us to know the Father and to know your Holy Spirit, to know you. To know something we've never known before, a life that's of a glorious quality, that's above and beyond this life, that's heavenward, that's eternal, eternal life, knowing you, the one true God in Jesus Christ whom you sent. Lord, help us to believe and help us through that to live in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today and listening to this message from Crossway Community Church. Once again, we meet at 1045 on Sunday mornings at 1501 Woodbury Road, which is just off Colonial and 408 in East Orlando. Come check us out. I'll see you then.